I'm Marnie Vinge, and this is Erioki. Join me and my friends as we explore the darker side of the Sooner State. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> so are you ready? Yes. Okay. We'll just start then. Um this is Arioki and I'm Marnie Vinge and I'm here today with a very special guest. My mother, Larissa Vinge, is here, so I'm gonna let her introduce herself to you guys. A lot of you that are friends of mine already know Mama Vinge, so take it away. Hey, it's Mama Vinge here. I am currently a resident of Norman, Oklahoma, although I've lived most of my life in Moore, Oklahoma. We left Moore because of one of the tornadoes that's been through there. One of the many. One of the many tornadoes that's been through there. Um, I work part-time at Maddox Printing, and... Um, and you're a huge Walking Dead fan. Oh, I love The Walking Dead. You know, Marnie asked me if I'd like to watch an episode with her. This has been years back. And my first thought was, oh my gosh, zombies, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> and and now you can't get her away little, from it. <laughs> little did I know that it was going to turn into a big deal. I love yeah. to watch The Walking Dead. I love to read um, apocalyptic stories so are you excited to talk about international women's day today yes yeah that's a that's, good thing that's a that's kind of where we're going with this episode is today um is international women's day and we're going to be talking about women who have been on death row in oklahoma specifically the three women who were executed by the state of oklahoma so the first thing that I wanted to talk about was just a little bit of statistics about death row in general and death row in Oklahoma. And I found this right before we started recording. I did not know this, but um, total in the nation, this is either since 1974 or all time. I'm not sure about that. So don't quote me on the numbers, but I'm going to give you the numbers anyway. So um, total executions, 1,220. Do you know, take a guess what the percentage is that has happened in Texas and Oklahoma alone. The two added together? Mm. 20%. 55. <gasps> wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I'm, I'm pretty sure that most of the listeners to this podcast are familiar with the website that is available, um, the Texas Death Row website. I think I told you a little bit about that when I discovered it because I was shocked and there's also a lot of information out there about oklahoma death death row yes but the texas one it tells you um their last words and what their crime was and so it's very it's kind of it it kind of takes you in two directions because you read their last words and almost all of them are professing their innocence which you would think is yeah, okay, you're going to do that. But at the same time, then you hear about all these cases where people actually are innocent that are put 
on death row and so it's it's very but then you read the crime and you're like you're just very torn like you're like okay this is this is awful but uh wow that was a really bad thing you did so um anyway so in oklahoma there have been three women executed um all three were executed by lethal injection and the total number of people executed by the state of oklahoma is 195 192 of those were male that's 98.5% male, 1.5% female. Which is about the statistic for nationwide. Is it? Executions okay. of women. Yes. Yeah. It's around 2%. That's interesting. And of the executions that have been done in Oklahoma, and this is going back because there was a moratorium on the death penalty for how, what was the deal with that? Uh, it was while the Supreme Court reviewed the case and... It was like 74 or 76 when they put it back in effect, right? Yes. Okay. Gary Gilmore was the first person executed after the moratorium was lifted. And he was killed by firing squad in Utah. That's that's an interesting story. Um, you told me a little bit about that the other day. Yes. He... How does firing squad work? Well... Or at least how did it work in that case? In, in that particular case, and I've read other times, it must be similar. There were five people with rifles. Each one had one bullet, if I'm saying this right. There was only one live bullet. The others were... Blanks. The others were blanks. So it's like one of the five people actually had the bullet that would kill him. Correct. And they were all behind. It said they were behind a curtain, which, of course. I'm like, how does that work? Makes like, you think. Yeah, like, and how are they what making do they sure do? Are, they, they, are they peeking out? Yeah. You know, but anyway, whatever the logistics part is. Um, each one of them fires. They had a target on his heart. Mm -hmm. They did not want, you know. I mean, obviously, they were good marksmen yeah. anyway, but they didn't want his face or his head messed mm. up. And he chose he chose to be executed Sh by a firing squad. Yes. Wow. Wow. Well, in Oklahoma, I know that 57.4% um, 54, of executions have been done by lethal injection, which I'm pretty sure is how they started doing it after the moratorium they that's how all of them in Oklahoma have been done I'm pretty sure I think so too I think that's what I read years um, years back well, electrocution the was the main method what was it electrocution yes the yes. electric chair 42.1% mm -hmm. um, were done by the electric chair and 0.5% which was only one case was done by hanging did the person opt for that or do you know? I don't know okay. I'm wondering if that was like a really old like, really far back in time, maybe. I don't know how long they continued to do hangings um, as a I'm method of execution. Sure. I don't know. And as far as, like, the ethnic um, breakdown of death row inmates, 62.6% um, are white and 31.3% are black. The rest are divided up among other ethnicities, but none of them were a significant, a huge number like that. It was it was multiple small numbers and the is average that, 
In Oklahoma? Yes. Okay. And the average age in Oklahoma, I thought this was interesting. There was the youngest person was 18. The oldest person, I believe, was 72. And the average age of all of the inmates was 38. Which I thought was kind of interesting because for some reason, I don't know why, I expected it to be older. I would too. That's, I don't know. I don't know what that, why I would expect that, but that's what I expected. And the average number of days that are spent on death row are 2,782 or 7.62 years. So That's really interesting because the majority of the inmates must die by natural causes because mm-hmm. so few of them yeah actually make it to execution right and i know that's the case in california because they do have the death penalty or they used to didn't they and a lot of the people would die on death row mm-hmm. um and as opposed to actually being executed was charles manson on death row surely surely <laughs> you would think one would think um but yeah um and obviously he died in prison or in the hospital while in prison um so of these three women we've got lois nadine smith marilyn k plants and wanda jean allen so the first one i want to talk about is um lois nadine smith or as she was known mean nadine so she got that nickname around the time that she was in high school so dating back um there was a friend that was interviewed after everything happened that said um she always kind of steered clear of nadine because of her temper she wasn't afraid of her but she knew that she had a hot temper and as evidenced by what she did i think that is probably accurate so um she was particularly close with her son gregory who at the time of the crime had recently been in a relationship with a woman a young woman named cynthia bailey and uh, gregory had a new girlfriend Teresa baker and he expressed to nadine that he was afraid that cynthia was going to turn him in for drugs or have him killed and there's a lot of speculation that because he was on drugs that was fueled by the paranoia as a result of being on drugs because there is no evidence that cynthia bailey had any intention of doing anything to him i imagine she probably didn't want anything to do with him and he just he got this in his head and he told his mom that's very interesting because the the way the story is usually told i mean she was stalking him but Mm -hmm. that would give certainly no justification for murder but at least an understanding of why the family would have been upset about what was going on the articles that i read said that there was absolutely no evidence of her doing anything that would warrant that kind of thing um and of course like nothing ever warrants killing someone but um so nadine gregory and Teresa decided that they were going to do something about the perceived threat or whatever um and they went to a motel in Tahlequah where cynthia was staying um they got her in the car with them which makes me think that they obviously if she got in the car with them she would have thought they were on good terms unless there was some kind of coercion to get her in the car which leads which which lends credibility to the idea that she wasn't doing any of that stuff 
That's a good point. I did not, I didn't find anything that told how they got her to go with yeah, them. Yeah, I didn't either. But, I just but know she got in a, the car. That's a very good point that I suppose it was either at gunpoint or she, she didn't felt think anything was wrong. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, either one of the two. So they got her in the car. Nadine was in the back seat. Um, Teresa was in the front passenger seat. And I believe Gregory was driving. And Nadine started threatening her and beating her up. Um, she stabbed her in the neck. Um, did not actually kill her yet. What else? Did she you- also choked her while they were in the okay. car. Okay. Yeah. Um, they took her to Nadine's ex-husband's house, which was Gregory's father. Isn't that correct? I believe it was his father. Yeah, I think so. I thought it was. I didn't realize they were separated. I yes. thought it was. He was married to someone else. I'm okay. pretty sure. Um, so he took her to Nadine's ex-husband's. They took her to Nadine's ex-husband's house where she tortured Cynthia. And the descriptions of what she did to her are very. These are the actions of someone who is not not just killing someone to defend their family. Like she's enjoying it. And she threatened her. She pointed a pistol at her. Um, and Cynthia tried to cover herself with a pillow to try and save herself. And after kind of this game of cat and mouse and Nadine really getting into this, she finally shot her multiple times. And one of my one of the things I found very interesting in the description of what was happening was it said that Nadine laughed and jumped on Cynthia yeah so you you're not thinking wow she's in a rage you do have that feeling of she's really into this yeah yeah which yeah um and at the sound of gunshots the neighbors called the police um but they were assured by the family that it was just fireworks because this all happened on the fourth of july Oh, very convenient. Yeah. And um, so the police left the home. They ended up coming back because in the family, everybody who was in the house with the body, with Cynthia's body, left. And they left the door ajar. And the police came back. The door was ajar. They went in. They discovered Cynthia. And it didn't take them long to connect the dots and figure out that this was done by Nadine Smith. They got her... Um, and Teresa, which was Gregory's new girlfriend, quickly turned on Gregory and Nadine. And I think she got some kind of plea deal or something like she got some kind of deal because she was willing to talk about them. Um, anyway, so she was sentenced to death. She was the third woman put to death by Oklahoma. And this is something that I think is absolutely horrible about this case this really really bothered me she's buried in the same cemetery as cynthia hmm i don't feel like that's i I would be very bothered by that i was gonna say for her family for cynthia's family that would have to be somewhat difficult uh very difficult i would think what town was it i forgot i believe the motel was in tahlequah the house was in is there a town named Gans or something like that? The house was not in Tahlequah. The motel was in Tahlequah. I believe that they are buried 
somewhere near Tahlequah. So I know that it's, that's a smaller place, correct? Yes. So there's probably not a lot of cemeteries to choose from, but, but still, I would be very bothered by that. I think if I was Cynthia's family, I would not, not appreciate that. Um, so the next one we're going to talk about is, or do, did you have something else to add about? Well, it certainly makes you think about the phrase rest in peace. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it's kind of like, how can you do that if you're... I mean, certainly doesn't matter to Cynthia, but... It matters to her family. It matters to her family. Yeah. Closure would be hard. Yes, very very much so. Um, So Marilyn K. Plants is another woman, one of the three who was put to death by the state of Oklahoma. Um, She and her boyfriend, William Clifford bryson who at the time she was 28 he was 18 they beat her husband and burned him alive he was actually a pressman at the daily oklahoman yeah wow yeah um uh he and his name was james earl plants um he was beaten almost to death in his midwest city home on august 26th and this was around 1988, I believe, at 5 a.m. with his own children's baseball bats. His children were in the house when this happened. What time of day did you say it was? 5 a.m. So, yeah, we can only hope they were um, sleeping. Hopefully. Uh, the kids were six and nine at the time. Um, he was then taken somewhere along 50th in his truck and the truck was set on fire and he was burned alive. But unconscious, I guess. I'm guessing, I mean, from yeah. everything that of had course, happened, yeah. of course. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and all of this was done for a $319,000 insurance policy. That was going to be my next question to you, if you knew the amount of the insurance policy. Yes, $319,000, which I, um, I'm sadly not shocked at the number, because oh, no. I have heard, I've heard so many stories where the number is so much lower and people i mean twenty five thousand dollars ten thousand dollars oh my gosh i was gonna say if you watch id discovery yeah there are cases i mean and i don't mean it's an exception i'm shocked Mm -hmm. that it could be ten thousand dollars of insurance money or that that would be worth it to do that it's crazy and you know it makes me in my um well (laughs) If I want to be paranoid about it, I think nobody should ever get insurance. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Every time someone like mentions that they have life insurance, I'm like, should you be telling people that? I, I was going like, to say, don't, don't if, announce if you that. Do it, I, and I totally understand the responsibility yeah. and the desire to provide for your family and want to be looking after right. them and everything. I get it. But at the same maybe time. Maybe I watch a little too I, much. Maybe, I do discovery. I think, <laughs> I think we both maybe do because I... Um, I always have that thought when anybody's talking about life insurance. I'm just like, mm, even if you do it, is it really a good idea to be telling everybody that you've got that going on? And in reading about people on death row, and this was not just people in Oklahoma, not just women, mm-hmm. but that murder over Insurance money? insurance money, you know, it happens a lot. Oh, gosh. I mean, it's the... 
the husband or the wife, they get involved with someone else. And then that comes into play that that other person they start and frequently it's the husband or wife it's not necessarily the boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever Mm. you know they they kind of get into this idea of if that person was out of the way and they had this money their life would be so much Mm. better and I just think it's I don't know it has always wouldn't it be easier to divorce someone You'd think. You would. I mean, long term. I'm talking like I know that divorce is very horrible and it's a very emotionally trying experience, but it is not worth killing someone over. I was going to say, yes, it's heartbreaking and it's it's going to leave you with scars and it's it's a very financial strain. And And there is financial strain, but. But like, would you rather live committing murder in prison? You know, yeah. You'd like to think that people at least carried the guilt with them to to some degree, and the majority of them are going to be caught. Yeah, yeah. That's it's just it's just crazy to me. I just i I guess that I guess that people look at it that it's a like a clean break kind of maybe if if everything went in your favor and and i'll have to tell you i suspect sometimes it has to do with them having children that yeah that makes sense they think that way that they get away from that person i think did you say a clean clean break break, yeah because then they don't have to worry about who's going to have custody or anything like that because whoever is the surviving spouse will yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense not enough sense to do it though but, no, no. But I understand. I can, I can, um, I can kind of, I, there was this one time in college when, um, we were reading a book called Dreaming in Cuban. I think I've told you this story before. Um, and there's a scene in that book where one of the women, there are like three, I think there are three or four female characters that are central to the plot of the novel. And one of the women finds out that, while she has been pregnant, her husband has given her syphilis. And apparently if you contract that while you're pregnant, it causes birth defects or some kind of, it causes problems for the baby. So when she found this out, she, he was sleeping on the couch and she was frying plantains in the kitchen. And she took those frying plantains and she dropped them on his face. Whoa. And... I will never forget the looks on everybody's faces in that class because um, we were discussing that scene and I said, I said, I understand. Like, I understand why she did it. And everybody kind of looked at me and I'm like, I'm not saying I'd do it. I'm saying I understand. No, and it's not right. But this man has put their child at risk. Right. Yeah. It's not just a heartbreak issue of... You cheated on me. Right. You know. This is the baby's health. And th- this is totally different than like death row or what we're talking about right yes, now. Yes, that's but, true. But we're I, off on a tangent. We're off on a tangent. But but my point is, I'm not saying I do it. I understand like, especially if there are children involved and like, I can understand why someone would think that that was a viable option. Or I can even understand the heat of passion kind of thing. Right. You know, uh, the the couple that one or the other finds out okay the husband finds out the wife's been involved with someone else and he goes into a mad rage well just like the story i was just talking about 
you know she when she found that out her immediate reaction was to do something to him and i i almost can understand that more than plotting out a murder yeah definitely well because i think you you're out of control you take leave of your senses when you go into that kind of a rage and you don't have the reasoning ability that you yeah desperately need so um Marilyn Plants and her boyfriend both received the death penalty. Um, and as she was being executed, she made an appeal um, to her two children who were not in attendance. Um, and no one can blame them for that. Uh, she appealed to them to forgive her. Yes. Yeah. Um, something like that. So the final case is wanda jean allen why'd you make that face (laughs) well she's the final woman who's been executed (laughs) yeah with this is this is the the final one we're going to talk about is what i meant um she was the first black woman executed by um in the united states since 1954 and this is kind of it's kind of an interesting case because when i initially looked at it i was really um I feel like she is someone who the system really failed. Definitely. I feel like she is someone, I'm not saying what she did was excusable in any way, but I feel that she is someone who, who the system allowed to fall through the cracks and had she had the help that she needed, maybe this wouldn't have happened. There's no doubt that she, she dealt violently with problems. Yes. But... I think that was a result of what had happened to her. Yes. Um, So when she was 12, she was hit by a truck and knocked out. And then when she was about 14 or 15, she was stabbed in the left temple. And a, um, a doctor that evaluated her later on said that those absolutely did affect her ability to i believe it it impaired um her iq was found to be 69 and the left hemisphere of her brain was dysfunctional and that impairs comprehension logical expression and analysis of cause and effect which all three seem like very important things when weighing the consequences of your actions so i feel like that it i feel like that is an important thing to think about when talking about this woman's execution. Um, I agree. So 1981, Deidre Pettis was shot and killed. She was a childhood friend turned girlfriend of Wanda's and they lived together. And on June 1st, 1981, uh, they got into an argument. Um, and what Wanda told the police was that, um, she claimed she shot Deidre on accident from 30 feet away while trying to return fire from Pettis's boyfriend, which I'm not really sure. There wasn't a whole lot of details about the relationship situation, if they were broken up, if she was dating some this new guy or something like that. I don't know. But that's what she told police. But the forensics determined that Pettis had been pistol whipped and shot at point blank range. Right. It, nothing. There was nothing to suggest that... The boyfriend Wanda Allen's was, story was yeah the truth right um and on that one she got a deal she got four years for a guilty plea to manslaughter she only served two of it and then seven years later she was living with 
her girlfriend, Gloria Leathers, who she had met in prison. Um, and they apparently had a very tumultuous and violent relationship from the very beginning. Um, and then on December 2nd, 1988, uh, Leathers was shot in front of the village police department. Um, 15 minutes prior, they'd been in an argument in a dispute at a grocery store and the police were called and a police officer came and like, I guess broke it up and, um, escorted them back to the house to allow Gloria to get her belongings and then come to the police department to make a statement with her mother. And somewhere in that Wanda followed her to the police department and outside in the parking lot shot her before she was able to go inside and do any of this. Um, and her mother was a, uh, Gloria's mother was a witness to this. Um, and she ended up dying three days later. You want to go ahead. And, you know, there's, there's no doubt that, I mean, with the things that had happened to her and her IQ and she clearly was having a very difficult time. It is just like you Mm -hmm. said, I don't think she could reasonably determine what she should be doing, but not only did she... Did she kill these two women two years before she killed Deborah Pettis? What is her name? Yeah, Deidre Pettis. Yeah. She had stabbed another woman to death. In Tulsa. In Tulsa. Yeah. And I don't know much of the details of that. I'm I'm just pointing out that obviously she had a violent pattern and could not control her anger emotions but i think you're right i think the system failed her tremendously yeah i feel like it's a very different case than the other two right Um, there was it it wasn't a case of just greed right or being a psychopath yes yeah i think that she had a very um kind of a an impaired way of dealing with consequences like cause and effect is as they said in the thing about her IQ and her left hemisphere being damaged. Um, so I definitely think, I, I think of the three, this one really to me was kind of sad that she was executed. I think, um, I, I mean, I'm not saying that what she did was in any way justifiable or okay or anything like that. But I do feel like I think maybe if this had happened now, I'm I don't know that she would get the death penalty. I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah. So it's interesting to think about. But yeah. Oh, go do ahead. you know how many women are currently on death row in Oklahoma? I don't. I'm I'm not sure. I mean, I I was wondering if that was something you had come across. I do know that Brenda Evers Andrew sits on death row right now, and hers is another case like we were talking about. She and she and her lover killed her husband for the insurance money. 
The insurance money in this case was $800,000. Her boyfriend was an insurance agent. (laughs) And he had befriended both her and her husband. Her husband's name was Robert Andrew. God. Anyway, I, I was kind of, some things that kind of took me by surprise about the case were that she... I didn't feel like she thought anything through much. Yeah. And she was constantly complaining about their relationship. She told people that she hated him. She wished he was dead. And she finally, they separated. And she and her boyfriend came up with this plan to get him to go for a false emergency. They cut it the brake line of his car and luckily he discovered it before this happened and he wasn't as taken in by by the guy by the guy or his soon-to-be ex-wife you know Mm -hmm. and anyway but when that didn't work she got him to come over to the house on some kind of pretense that I don't remember and when he was there, I don't know if he was trying to light the fireplace or whatever, but um, when he bent over, I think the boyfriend bludgeoned him with something and sh- and Brenda shot him with a shotgun. Wow. And then proceeded to tell the story that two people had broken into the house and they had actually done that. Of course. But this was another case where, you know, when the police investigate, there's nothing really to... Mm -hmm. Corroborate that. Yes, to make you believe that she actually was in this... How long ago was this? Um... Because I kind of remember I don't, this. I don't have the date, but I know that it was not that long ago. It's pretty ago recent, Because I mean, like, I remember... Within the last like, 15 years. I'd say 15 to 20 yeah. years at the most. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, she... I don't know if you already said this, but didn't you... Didn't, you told me the other day that they flaunted their relationship at church. They did. They were so... It's just like her telling people, you know, how she hated her husband she and wished he was dead, dead and everything yeah. else. She... Both she and the boyfriend... Um, there were Sunday school teachers, His name they? was James Pavot, and James and Brenda were both Sunday school teachers, And they were so open about their relationship and everything that the church asked them to step down. That's insane. And anyway, after things were heating up there over the, when Rob was actually killed, um, James and Brenda fled to Mexico. And they were constantly asking his daughter to send them money to help them out. And Back when they were, when James and Brenda had come up with this idea of creating this fake emergency where, where Rob would need to go and, you know, he didn't, his brake line was cut, whatever. James had gotten his daughter to call Rob and it wasn't clear whether (sighs) James's daughter ended up 
working with the FBI, cooperating with the FBI, and was a big reason, a big part of the reason they they got them. They got Brenda yeah. and James. And anyway, is he on death row also? I do not know his fate. Okay. I do know that she is sitting on death row. Yeah. Yeah. So, with today being International Women's Day, here's to better choices for women and positive, positive images. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) So, um... One of the things I wanted to mention before we sign off of here is that I'm, um, I've got some exciting stuff coming at you guys within the next few months. Um, so stay tuned to the Instagram account, which is at Irioki, cause I'll kind of be posting some stuff about it there. Um, and if you have anything that you want to submit or tell me or, um, anything like that, Email me at iriokipodcast at gmail.com or contact me on Instagram. I love when you guys message me. It makes my day. Like, it's so much fun. Um, and thank you to the people that have reached out. Um, and we got our first supporter on Anchor recently. And I just wanted to shout out to that person. You know who you are. I don't want to call you out in case that makes you uncomfortable. But um that made my night when I got that email. It was it was great. Um, and I wouldn't shut up about it. So, yeah. And I'd like to say thank you for having me on the podcast. Thank you for being on the podcast. <laughs> we enjoyed you. So, um, yeah, that's about it. So, um, keep it eerie, y'all. Thank you.